I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Welcome to Fever FM. Tonight, I'm joined by Dale, Dave, and Cam. How are you all? Good. Tired. Bad bit of weeks. <laughs> yeah, probably we'll leave that to the uh, men's yeah. support group. Yeah, we'll crack on and uh, discuss the uh, Knicks men's game versus Mariners. Gloriously sunny day. Unfortunately, not a gloriously sunny result. Should we just go through it uh, as it happened, gents? Sure. Uh, not a bad we start originally. Um, yeah, mate. It was. Um, I thought we actually started really well. We um, controlled possession early and uh, really looked positive in the final third. Really creative in the final third. Obviously, nothing came of it early doors, but it's felt that combination uh, in the uh, in the front with the four guys that were on there felt like it was actually starting to click and starting to work quite well. What are you guys like? Obviously, from the grandstand, yeah. you get a different perspective. Were you seeing the same sort of thing? It, it certainly looked more composed. I think there was there was some nice work, both up the front, but on in the midfield as well. It looked it looked like guys who had played together before. You know, they were working some nice triangles. They looked very calm in possession. They were playing the ball round, uh, which we haven't really seen so far. It's looked a bit like some guys who have been in preseason. You know, whereas this looked like some guys who played together knew what was going on. It looked um, looked pretty good for for periods there. Um, as you say, nothing really came of it particularly early, but. I, I liked the signs I saw early in this one, um, particularly in that midfield and, and in transition. Um, I'll talk about how I felt about it later <laughs> in the game. Yeah, I, I thought we were pretty, pretty um, dominance, I think, an overused term in, in football, but I think we were well ahead of them in that first half, especially. I mean, you kind of tell maybe it was partly, you know, it was their first half of football and, and um, some rustiness there, but we seem to control possession and, and create a, a number of chances. Obviously, the, the Costa one from Vukovic, uh, I should say, was was probably the best of the bunch. But we also looked quite dangerous from different kind of perspectives as well. Like we we had that one that was created within the 18-yard box. We had play, you know, deliveries from wide as well. And then we also had, I think, a couple of um, pl- you know passes in behind you know, down the middle of the guts as well. Like we, we seemed to have a number of angles of that we were attacking, which was quite quite promising. It wasn't like one dimension. It was actually yeah. seemed to be kind of spread out in different directions, which is which was promising. It is something that uh, Crave and um, Costa give you. They do like moving into the space quite nicely. And if you've got someone to pass them, and Ugarkovic, and I thought Lewis was looking pretty – Shows you what a difference, as much as we say Pennington's good on defence, his passing isn't great. Lewis stepping in and providing – yeah, two options for passing. I thought made it made Ugarkovic look even better than he has, which is saying something. I think that combination between Lewis and Ugarkovic is is really exciting. Um, oh, Lewis has always been a quality passer. He's, that that is his game. Um, we've seen it since he was a kid. You know, and, and all the way through, his he can pick a pass and he can play that pass. Is and it's generally a good option from him. Yugakovich, I'll be honest, before he came and signed here, I hadn't really watched him particularly closely, other than being the dude that we missed the penalty uh, up in Auckland last season, you know what I mean? But he's always been around the league. Watching him this season, 
he's he's quality. He's a mm. very very good player. He's at the moment I would say he's the best pickup we've had in the off season. Um, obviously, it's still very early in the season, but these two games I've seen. His it's not just his disruptive play. Pennington's better at that, um, but the the disruptive play is there. But the vision and the space, the turn, the control, that whole package for an A League midfielder is very very good. In the past, I've I've thought him as a really good solid player, but it's those little moments of quality that he's bringing that I haven't seen before. That that Cruyff turn. Um, uh, and there was another one, uh, oh, the pass uh, later on in this game that I don't think I've ever seen him do before. Um, it, it's kind of really interesting for a guy that we've seen for years and years mm. and thought he's just a solid, really effective, you know, no-nonsense player, and he's pulling this out of nowhere. I think the, um, the point Dale was making also about the angles of attack is really, really good one because whilst our wide play, Mariners seem to be dealing with that quite comfortably. I think yeah, they weren't whilst Payne and Moragas were getting balls in, they weren't particularly dangerous balls most of the time. Um, but that ball over the top, the unexpected long, well, I'd call it a long ball. Effectively, it's a long pass, right? But that uh, unexpected ball over the top, that really was gaining us traction for most of the game. And I put that down to Wayne being quick and able to latch onto those, but also the quality that um, Yagakovic brings to that pass because there's one thing to log, uh, lump a long ball uh, down the field there's another one to be able to pick out the run multiple times which did happen there was an interesting comment after the game i think ollie sale made it and then maybe ufi also made it in the press conference that they were expecting mariners to push their full bucks on our on our wide tens and that the outlets there wouldn't be as um, regular as perhaps they'd expect and that there'd be much more central creativity coming down through the guts through you know Yugovic through to the to the two centre forwards, which I mean, I mean I'm not a smart person, but that seemed like what what ended up happening is, is our attack, yeah. particularly the first goal, um, Wayne's and um, and a couple of others chances definitely came through that middle uh, middle channel um, rather than than creativity from our, our two Y players. And I, I th- I've seen a couple of comments about Kriev, uh, people sort of saying Kriev wasn't wasn't particularly good. I mean, he did get kicked off the field quite a number of times in that first half um and i guess the the way the mariners played i guess also kept kind of costa a little bit quiet yeah i think i think it was very clear that we had come in with a strategy to look down the middle there and I, to to some extent i found it slightly worrying like like you say they did talk about it being a tactical choice of some sort um but i do feel early on in the game we were kind of trying out wide and, and it didn't look as good as i'd hope it does you know with guys like costa there I would hope we had a bit more out wide than we kind of did. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, that, that ball over the top, as Cam says, when we, when we got it just right, looked really, really promising. And it led to the goal, you know. And and I think that's good. But I do think if we're, if we're going to be that one-dimensional attack, because that realistically looked like the only thing that really um, looked dangerous for us, I, I would be worried. So I really hope we do manage to find... Um, some of that crossing and stuff that just didn't seem to be there in this game because we were getting it wide, we had space there, we had time to put balls in, but it really didn't trouble the Mariners in this. And and if we're going to be looking at kind of almost route one just over the top through the middle, um, that's going to become pretty easy to defend across the season. I, I think maybe as the game wore on, we went a little bit more wider. I remember um, Sutton had a good chance from a from a set 
manoeuvre from a defensive free kick coming in wide. wide. I remember there was a chance where I think Ben Wayne got the ball wide and better play and cut it back to Costa who had a, a slightly heavy touch with the goal sort of beckoning. So I think um, I, th- I think maybe while our best chances were through that middle channel, I don't think it was exclusively that and perhaps um, maybe it was just our decision making that kind of maybe led to where they sort of uh, those chances came from, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And I think I think I'm I'm not saying I'm worried at this stage, but I think we need to make sure we keep developing those wide chances as well. Otherwise, we could become too one dimensional, which we just shouldn't. It shouldn't be a risk for us, given the players we've got, um, that we become that predictable team through the middle only. It shouldn't be the case. Yeah, I think the the days of the A League where you could just knock it over the top and and centre backs would just lose their minds. Those days are gone. I mean, I, that ball by um, Ugarkovic, I don't think you're seeing a better long pass than that any league, and you're not pulling off another one, you know, in the same season. It just, it's just it's a low percentage. Beautifully played, but he's not going to be hitting those all, all season. Didn't he do it twice in this game? Didn't oh, he, he do tried it, really, it a lot um, more than twice. He, yeah, yeah, but he did, wasn't he effective twice? So he did it the, the first time for, for the Wayne offside goal? Uh, sure. that, was a, that, that was a clearance from Oli Sale, wasn't it, that Zawada um, okay. flipped on. I, I think, um, I think um, Frosty, you're maybe giving a, maybe a bit too much credit to Jogakovic and not considering maybe perhaps the quality of the centre-backs that Central Coast had on offer because <laughs> if, you look, if you look at the angle down the field on that goal, Wayne, Ben Wayne is about two metres outside Caltech and he just runs past him, in front of him, so Caltech sees it, season run past and can just stand still and Ben Wayne just continues running away and creates five yards of space which and just it just he just gets caught ball watching and that's what kind of leads leads to it oh um, yeah that that for me is the goal but it's like the for me it's the other defender that doesn't cut it out I, I think that that's that's your inside defender who should be going yep I'm going for this but yeah just he didn't he didn't have a bar of it. Didn't didn't get anywhere near it. I don't think you're like, especially once once this game's done and the, everyone reviews the highlights, that's going to be pointed out to every centre back in the league, right? Watch the long ball inside defender. Make sure you cut off that ball. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it'll happen in in cap five for sure, but it shouldn't happen in the eight league. I mean, it happened going the other way as well. Yeah, I mean, was it windy in, in the ground there? Because it, it did it did look like that ball stopped a couple of times, like the one for Wayne. It looked like it went over round and then just dropped. No, pitch level, it was lovely. Not kidding. Absolutely baking. It was gorgeous. Yeah, I don't remember a break of wind. And the ball over the top for Cummings was down the other end. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, should we uh, talk some of the other highlights? Uh Cummings himself, he managed to pull off a very spectacular effort uh, when left alone inside our box. Unfortunately, he went and strayed a bit offside. I, I actually, I feel, I felt for the guy because if you're going to lose a goal for offside, losing that goal is particularly yeah. harsh because that was a very well taken finish. It was, it was excellent. He, he's a very, very good player. I, I, I quite rate him, even though he, he seems like. An interesting character, shall we say? 
He's a wind-up merchant. Yeah, he gave himself an unpleasant nickname. So, you know. yeah, yeah, there's that. Um, yeah, missing out on a bicycle is always going to be tough, but when you're offside... I call that an overhead rather than a bike because his plant foot was still on the ground. Oh, yeah, fair, fair. It's still a great goal. And it's it was, no doubt, but... A, it needs to be clarified. It certainly wasn't a bicycle. No. No, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a goal, so it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. He was definitely offside. Um, but I, I did feel for him, and I, I don't usually feel for opposition players when they get goals disallowed. So yeah. I, yeah. I watched this. I mean, that's a really good goal. Oh, it's not. It's off. Actually, they didn't really deserve it at that stage. It felt like no. they'd had no. a couple of low percentage opportunities but weren't doing anything with it and we were all over them. I think it was their first shot on target, I think. Because um, yeah. the, the only other chance I think they had was a slightly blocked shot from distance right before half-time, I think. But other than that, that was... They had created nothing. They'd created nothing in their half. It's ridiculous how long that took to chalk it out off. Yeah. Like three, it Was there. it three minutes 30 or something? Yeah, I mean... I can, I can understand it. Like, from the angle that they had, it looked like... It kind of needed to be closer to be able to ensure it came off the other Mariners player's head. But but just but, but basic physics says, I mean, he's standing yeah. in an offside position. It's, it's, that's clear. Yeah. But if a defender is hitting the ball forward and the ball yep. goes behind him, yep. physics says that that has to have it's hit got something to else. The other guy, yeah. And, I mean, and, but we don't, we like, what are the rules that they have to live by to make those decisions? How clear... Can we say, ah, oh, physics means it has to go that way, or do we have to see visual evidence that it actually did hit that? I don't, I don't know. Genuine question. Genuine You've got to start talking benefit of the doubt. If you can't rule it out in, you know, in, in a lesser time than that, surely you've got to give it. I think that, that that's part of the problem with the, the VAR stuff, is we're all sitting there going, you know, I don't care which way it goes, just, you know, Hurry get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think as well there, I, I don't know, we, we obviously don't know what the VAR and the ref were discussing, but there seemed to be some conversation on on a few of the social media things and the forums and stuff talking about whether or not this is a deflection because the Phoenix player touches it first. But for me, I think you, that, that probably is the case. There's probably two touches, but I don't think at this sort of range you can call it a deflection for mine. He's jumped up and tried to hit the ball and has. So for mine... He's played it. It, it. It's pretty clear cut to me. Whether or not it touched the other player first, by jumping and trying to hit the ball and, in fact, hitting it, surely you're playing at the ball, regardless of if there was a whisper of hair from someone else first, right? Like, yeah. if, if that goes in, he'd be claiming the goal. He wouldn't go, oh, it's a deflection. It was a header. He headed it forwards, you know? It, yeah. For me, it, it's just a silly debate at that sort of fine margin there. If he touched it, it was offside, and it was pretty clear he touched it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. It, it, there certainly needs to be that kind of that precedent set that you can just kind of go, yes, get on with it, or no, get on with it. Th- those margin calls seem to be just killing it. Um, we should uh, mention uh, Silvera's goal. That that was all right. Fuck, he's a player, isn't he? No, he's not. It was terrible yeah. defending. Nah, nah. Oh, no, no, yeah, no question. They gave him way too much space. Yeah, but he, he still he, cracked he, it. He is a great player for this league. He was very good all game. Like, well, um, I, what was what was quite well done by that bit of work is I can't remember the big is it Ghanaian guy up front uh, for Central Coast is I think Wooten was marking him and as Sylvester kind of got to the edge box he made a kind of diagonal run that led away from outside towards the outside of the goal and Wooten dragged with him 
and then Wooten realised, ah, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done that. And by that stage, the whole sort of whole goal just opened up for him. So mm-hmm. it was quite a, like a subtle sort of run, but it opened up the whole the, the whole um, the whole goal to as basically have a free shot from what eighteen yards out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still got to take it though, and he did take it well. Um, it was um, interesting to see Wayno. I mean, he really does manage to show his versatility. He, he um, we've seen him previous seasons playing as a as a hold up merchant. That's how he got his first kind of run in the starting lineup, and now he's kind of almost playing off the shoulder. Uh, is this what we kind of expect from him the rest of the season? Yeah, I, I think so. He um, he's quite interesting, uh, quite interesting game. So I thought up until that point, he actually played quite poorly. Uh, made like a couple of really bad decisions, um, like a couple of really strayed crosses that just went nowhere near uh, but the fact he he had two two chances one was obviously marginally offside but he he finished them you know really well both his left foot i think from memory um so to be able to sort of turn uh what i thought was a relatively average performance into quite a good one um i guess it kind of speaks to his tenacity or you know mental ability or, or something you say that and i kind of feel like he has that in his wheelhouse he does He's the sort of guy that does pop up when he's substituting, not look like he's done anything, and then just knock one in. Or, yeah. I mean, that it's a gut feel. I've got no numbers on, on that sort of thing. Sure, if he's the type of guy that's chasing everything all day, he only needs those one that one chance, right? And that's what you want out of a guy like him. And you know, if he's going to pop up and keep, if he's going to keep playing this way and scoring the chances that are falling to him, I'm going to take that all day. He can be as shit as he likes for the rest of the game. If he scores like this every week, he's got my vote for player of the season. <laughs> Spoken like a true striker. Striker, yeah. <laughs> I think as well it's worth noting, these are pretty decent finishes too. I mean, we, we see a lot of strikers in the A-League manage to butcher these sorts of chances. You know, they get it behind with a bit of space and still bollock it up. But these were both pretty tidy finishes. Obviously, only one of them counted, but... He was pretty clinical about both of them, which for a guy as young as he is, as new to the A-League as he is, that's that's a really good sign because um, we've seen a lot of guys, you know, Soterio would be the great example of having an, an absolute fucking hat full of chances and butchering most of them with just kind of youth and inexperience. And he's he's matured a bit into his game, but there's, there's been a lot of strikers in the A-League who wouldn't have been as clinical as this. So it's really good to see Wayne actually putting those away. That's a very good comparison, actually, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, that, I was going to suggest Soterio as well. It's um, it's a great shout. Well, and, and we can think of others too, right? Like that's hardly the only one. I mean, Tatori, you know, we could we could throw lots of names out there and, oh, yeah. and point at strikers who've had really good chances and lots of them and just never learned how to finish them. Whereas Wayne is up there with, you know, this is the sort of one you expect a Ford a Roly, a, a McLaren, you know, to be slotting in. And he was. Yep. And, and Cummings at the other end, very similar charts. Slots it right, so Wayne's putting himself in a in a really good category there with some good strikers in my mind. Um, in terms of just the the clinicalness he's shown. Yeah, yep, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, he, certainly, um, this season he's shown that he's managed. Um, how many did he get in the Australia Cup? And he's already got two. So I don't remember. Yeah, I think he, I think he got three in the Australia Cup, maybe. So he's already got a couple, a fair few, probably more than he got. All last season, I reckon. He got he got seven in the league, I think, last season. Oh, did he? Okay. Well, I stand corrected. But still, two games in, and he's already cracked in five. That's uh, you got to be happy with that. Uh, we should carry on with the rest of the game. Um, there was the corner goal. 
Yeah, that's great. It was definitely an own goal. Um, yeah. yeah. 100%. VAR check was on Wayno interfering with Vuko on the line, but Vuko was in front of him and Wayno didn't touch yeah. him, so it's kind of fair. The touch by the defender, oh, I see it wasn't, it was the striker, right? It was the striker um, back in the box with the corner, and uh, if he'd left it alone, Vuko cleans it up all day. Yep. And it's a very late, slight touch, which just does enough to fuck up Vuko's timing and send it straight into the goal. So, Who did they actually mark the own goal as? Did they give it to Vuko or the, the guy in front of him? I don't know. Vuko did yeah. get fingertips to it. Yeah, like he did. It touched his fingertips. But, yeah. Yeah. I thought it would be rough to call it his own goal, though. But I actually didn't look and see what the, um, the score sheet actually says. But, I mean, it, it was one of those ones where, I mean, anything can happen from a corner, right? And they put the ball in a decent spot. There was no one there really challenging it from the Phoenix. But Decent spot, Dave? Oh, that front post is not a bad spot to be putting it if you've got a man there. We just did it, but clearly the defenders didn't talk about that. There was no one calling over the top of each other, and they, they ballsed it up. So you take it, but we didn't deserve it. In-swinging corner to the, fr- no, in-swinging corner to the front post is the most successful uh, corner statistically uh, to to take to score goals. So yes, that's the best one. To, because to exactly this can happen, right? Yeah, like exactly. whether or not you've got an attacker there, it can still go in. So yeah, yeah. ideally, you'd have someone running across in front of him, but whoever oh, gets yes. the touch and sends it in, don't matter, right? This is what yeah. happens. So that's that's the ideal corner. That's the one that uh, Ufi appears to be going for most of the time. He's got. Uh, Lewis with his left foot swinging in from the other side. So in swinging corner to the near post, that looks to be statistically what he's going for the most. Yeah, Frosty I don't think like it. No, I don't. I don't think Pennington was meaning to go there. That was <laughs> way too close to the keeper, and they had no one there. That's just. It did have good curl, had good pace, but it just was not where it was meant to go. I just think that the person that was supposed to run there perhaps got blocked or it was something yeah. like Wayne and didn't manage to get there himself. So uh, who was perhaps supposed to peel away from the keeper and move forward. Don't know the routines, haven't seen them before the game, couldn't tell yeah. you. But... Yeah, it could, could be a simple routine mix-up, right? Yep. Someone, someone misread the misread the signal or misheard the call and, and was running a different one and wasn't in their yep. spot. Like, it could be that simple. But either way, goal. Yeah. Take it. And deserved. We deserved to win it, to win the match, but we certainly did not deserve to lose. So yeah. um, that was a very deserved finish. Very yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Deserved point. I don't know that we necessarily deserved this particular goal, but we certainly deserved to get a point out of this game at the very yeah. minimum. So I yeah. think uh, even the Mariners would probably walk away thinking the same. For them, it'll feel like one that got away, but I, I think they'd also go on the balance of the 90 minutes. We probably were lucky to get away with a point too. <laughs> they played good for, they played well for 10. That's it. I, I reckon we edge that, and if, if we'd won it, I don't think anyone could have any play, complaints. I know, I know, like all the statistics look pretty even, but I think our chances were significantly better than, than theirs. Yep, I agree with that. It, it felt that way. Um, I went back over the stats at halftime and full time, and it didn't look that way at all. Things like XG and that sort of thing, it, it didn't didn't come down. It was very much a a right down the middle. It was kind of a draw seemed like statistically like this was right. But you're right. It did feel like we bossed the game better for larger patches, but I don't know enough to get it, you know, get two more points out of it. Are we going to talk the um the final goal? Oh, sorry, the uh, third goal. The third goal. Yeah, another one where we kind of gifted it to them really. Um, I think yep. Ollie Sale can should be putting his hand up for for that. Um, yeah, just just no need to be the position where he was when 
was it, I think Laws was was coming across and you know Cummings' only option essentially was either to try and beat Laws or to lob the keeper and we gave him a chance to you know Ollie gave him a chance to, to lob him and he duly took it. It's a nice lob to be fair. Yeah, great finish. Hmm. As what we know, but this, yeah. this game's had some great finishes. Even the even the disallowed goals for the offside, genuinely both disallowed, but both of those finishes were great. Like they're really, really nicely taken goals. The only shit one was our second goal from the corner, and even that had great lull factors. So you're quite okay with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I got the distinct impression that neither neither keeper particularly trusted their um, backs to do a job. Uh, especially Sale, I d- I'm not sure why he was coming out and why he was coming out then. It seemed like he came really, really early. I, I'm no keeper, so I'm just speculating. Dave probably has a better idea than me. Dale probably more than most. <laughs> yeah, true, actually. Got both of you. Yeah. Going back to your, your XG uh, example here, Frosty, I've dug it out. We were 1.15 and they were 0.74. So solidly in front, we should have won that. Mm. But we were already well above our XG anyway, scoring two. So anyway, uh, we'll move on. Um, yeah, I, the um, uh, the entertainment, the audio entertainment, was a, a sort of source of much uh, controversy. I'm, I understand. Um, Freddie Mercury getting banged out. Uh, I I didn't find it wholly offensive watching it on TV, but uh, I take it that it was a little more than that at the grounds well what, what did they show on tv because it's it's hard to know like at the ground we had we had yeah freddie mercury up on the big screens with no real context at just a random moment it was a bit bizarre um and i think i think a lot of people on the crowd were mostly confused more than anything um about what was even happening i i still don't understand exactly what the intent was does anyone like why why queen why freddie i i just i, I don't get it and, and why at that time was there was there a particular reason like was that minute something or I don't know there, there was a substitution which it wasn't the first substitution of the game though right so no we... no no, no. Yeah. So it was around 80 mark 80 minutes mark yeah and then there was another one but, but by the time they'd done the first one and got it kind of going the play had already was away and yeah it restarted already so it was yeah I assume they were trying to get the, the fans to kind of sing back because it's that Pretty Mercury spot when yeah. it's at, is it live at Wembley, whatever he's doing, oh, and trying to get everyone to go back. But I saw David Dome uh, tweet today about it. He literally uh, is tweeting just now about it. That's what I was reading earlier. Yeah, um, he reckoned there was a couple of thousand kids. That a couple sang of thousand along. or so kids that sang along and seemed to enjoy it. I mean, with only seven thousand there, I don't, I don't think a couple thousand children were singing along. But that's right. He does say in his in his tweet, literally said a couple minutes ago, that he says we're having that we're having that discussion internally as well. We need to find some ways to drive bigger crowds than the seven k we had on Sunday. That's not sustainable. We need new initiatives, and the family market's key. They love that sort of stuff. It's very hard to shift live sport crowds in New Zealand. So, I mean, obviously that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to drive some some crowd engagement. But the thing that the thing that rubbed me the wrong way about this was if they were doing that i didn't understand why they weren't trying to build that hype a bit earlier like if you were planning on playing music during every stoppage why did it only start in the 80th minute like that that's the part that seemed odd to me um, mm. i'm not saying they should bang out shit all game i would hate that and i don't think they should but at least it would have made like an internally consistent thing to me if they'd been trying this from early on with with some music during the game and trying to do you know that big bash vibe which we know rob morrison for example loves and, and is relatively successful but it's about building that hype across the entire game, not waiting till the last 10 minutes 
to try and do something we've never done before. And I think that's the part that just seemed a bit odd to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any, you know, anti-it kind of views because, you know, I, I don't personally enjoy it, but that's I'm one person out of a crowd of 7,000. And you've got to remember that the fever is only, you know, 500 out of 7,000. But I think that you've got to, you've got to really be clear about where you're going to do it. And I think the only time that it really can possibly work is, is injury breaks where you can see how long there is to go before the game is restarted because you have a trainer come out and then as soon as the trainer comes out, the player has to walk off. So you've got a good, you've got good you know, understanding of, of when the game is going to restart. Whereas substitutions, they can be quite long, but they also can be quite quick, especially when you're chasing a game and you know suddenly players off and on and, and you're away again. Um, so I think they really need to have a big thing about yeah. what is the the remit to when or when to do it. And I, I think as well, if if you're relying on this to be your your thing that gets a seven thousand crowd to a ten thousand crowd, I don't think two or three occasions of music during a stoppage are what do that, right? Like, I think there's a there, there needs to be a broader plan and a broader strategy around that. Because I think, obviously, match day engagement has to be a part of that. But I, I just don't see a coherent kind of big plan here, right? And to me, it needs to be a part of that rather than just some little individual, you know, dipping in a toe here and a toe there isn't going to achieve that that three or 4,000 bump they want, right? And... If they, if they do want to do a big thing, they need to explain it as well, right? Like if they're trying to create a party atmosphere or a family atmosphere or whatever, I think it needs to be clear across much more of what they're doing um, than what we see at the moment. Is there any reason why the Fever can't sit down and talk, have that conversation proactively with them about it? Is there, and, but go in no. with, a, with a mindset of, we know you need to do something different and we're comfortable, we just want to know what it is so we can do our stuff around that. Because... From pitch level, it certainly sounded like there were lots of people singing back to Freddie at the time, but I also wasn't sure whether the mic was left on for the crowd response from the video. No, I genuinely couldn't tell, but there was noise. It, it definitely so. was just playing over the PA. Like there might have been some people joining in as well, but the the, the crowd noise definitely was over the PA too. Okay, yeah, as well. I, I, I couldn't tell, but it sounded loud. I um, think to your yeah. original question though, like I agree, but I think I think the issue with that is it's not the fever you need to talk to about that, right? Because I think as as Dale said. The fever of a very small part, and to be honest, we're not the target market of that vibe, right? Yeah. Like and that, we've and been coming fair. to the football for years, and we'll keep coming whether or not there's music and stoppages, right? So what you need to do is you need to be sitting down, having that chat with the families who are or aren't coming, and discussing with them what they want. And, and to be honest, I think it, it would be the right sort of discussion in some ways to leave the fever out of because we're not going to be the target market for it. I think you need us on board enough. We're not going to completely shit on the idea, but. Beyond that, it, it's not really a fever discussion, in my opinion. Um, so I think the starting point of trying to have that chat with the fever would be a mistake because it, it, we're, if you do something the fever are going to like, it's not going to be the same thing that's going to get you an extra 2,000 families in the door. Yep, that's fair entirely. I, I totally, I'm, I'm very on board with the concept that just because I don't like it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because not everything yeah. you do in their social media is a great, another great example of this. <laughs> you don't have to target me because I'm – just yeah. one old middle-aged white guy you know there's plenty of other people that you need to attract to the games and i'm going to the games anyway so i'm i'm all on board with trying stuff that's different but i'm also okay with engaging with the club to find out how as an organization as a group of people the fever could go how can we push this whatever this happens to be how can we help you push it over the line and get it working well yeah i think the operative thing is there that we'd go regardless so if you're trying to attract new people it's got to be figuring it out i i'm 
yeah, as Dave says, I'm at a loss as to why this is 80th minute, but mainly I'm. It has to be. I think you've got to engage even earlier, like during the week, doing something to get some kind of interest or awareness up, because if you're not going to the game, you know these these marginal people are they even watching the game on TV? Because that's the only way they would know about it. That the there's this family atmosphere or anything so i'm not sure that it's a winner at the moment mm. i think i think the big part of hyping in that sort of way is you've got to bring people on the journey right if they if they'd had a chat pre-game when you know the ground announcer announces a whole bunch of stuff pre-game about all sorts of things right that could have been a, hey we're going to try something different tonight every time we play this i want you guys to do this in return right and if you think about any any you know big concert you've been to or festival or those sorts of things where they have a person whose only job is to hype very early in the evening, they set those things up, right? And then it'll call back to it, and it'll call back to it, and that's how you get that buy-in. But this here was just out of nowhere, and everyone was like, what's even happening, right? And it was just a bit strange. Even if it was um, a, half, a half-time thing where they say, yeah. hey, in the second half, we're going to, and let's do a practice now or whatever. Exactly, exactly. And you could have brought people on that journey. So if they, if they do that, and I think that realistically is the only way you're going to bring those families into that part, right? And maybe you get the fever on board at that point as well, but families you're not sitting down with you're not having them come every week they're going to turn up to a handful of games when it suits them where they've got the kids free or whatever right so you need to explain it to them in the moment on the day not any other time and and that part was just completely missing for mine yeah i think that's fair uh let's move on to the rest of the round uh we had uh macarthur going 2-0 up over adelaide uh Sydney uh, kicking the bejesus out of uh, Weston. Leo Lacroix having another interesting game um, to carry on the, his beginning to the season. Uh, and an upset for mine, uh, Wanderers getting 1-0 over uh, victory. I mean, it certainly was an upset. It, it was a horrendous game of football. Victory were terrible, and Wanderers got very lucky, to be honest. They're gonna... fiction, the knee goal. Yeah. yeah they're going to they're gonna scrape their way into the six based on just, like, jammy ass like results like this aren't they yeah yeah it's feeling like that as it, it hurts my heart um yeah sydney resorting to kicking Davila off the field uh that was no that's adelaide oh sorry um adelaide yeah i think they found yeah. him four times in the first nine minutes of nine minutes yeah. yeah 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 945 i think he he managed to hobble off the field i mean that's a hell of an effort um yeah it's I, I know that Adelaide are um, good at playing the numbers, but Jesus, that seemed really, really brutal. Yeah, some of them weren't flash tackles either. No, 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 they weren't. Uh, speaking of not flash tackles, the Jets uh, with 10 men got over Perth Glory 2-1. Uh, nothing like a kick to the head to get you sent off. Brisbane Raw uh, going down uh, 2-0 to Melbourne City. No surprise there. Uh we still haven't heard anything about uh, Sus, whether he's, his appeal hasn't come through yet, has it? It was being heard, I think, 7 o'clock tonight, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we need to hear today. Okay. Um, so, yeah. We'll, see well uh, bearing in mind that uh, he got suspended for three games for his accidental tackle, uh, was it Elsie, I believe? Yeah, Elsie. Yeah, uh, quite nicely kicked uh, one of the uh, Perth players in the head. Yeah, while. Try, oh, it was David Williams too. You're yeah. right. Um, while trying to bring the ball down, just absolutely clocked him. Uh, Williams, to his credit, 
shook it off. Uh, I'm sure he's had worse tackles than that, but not many. Um, oh, I wouldn't even put it that far. That was horrendous, mate. That was it absolute was, bollocks. Yeah, it was dead set red card. Um, and the ref had no no qualms about dishing that out, but uh, only a two week suspension. He gave it a second yellow red. He didn't give it. He didn't give a straight red. VAR. Oh, VAR that. upgraded yeah. it, did it? Sorry, that's yeah. my bad. I didn't see the VAR upgrade, but okay. Um, yeah, so um, only two weeks for that, and Sus getting three weeks for his um, yeah. doesn't seem quite consistent to me. No, it doesn't. You're exactly right, Frosty. You can kick someone in the head. Uh, kicking someone in the head is less dangerous than slipping over, is basically what they're saying. Yes. Yeah, there was the there was a Melbourne City guy who got sent off for sliding in as well, and he got a one week suspension. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit all over the shop at the moment. Uh, and to, to be honest, this Perth game did, did anyone else watch the whole game? Because I, I wouldn't have been surprised if there'd been um, two or three red cards in this game because there were several other people who were on uh, on yellows and probably should have picked up a second. Mustafa um, Amini was just in pushing and shoving at every tackle, like running in 15 metres to give someone a shove to the ground. And it was just ridiculous. And, and he was on he was on his yellow card, I think, for about the, about half time, right? And, and I just couldn't believe how testy this game was getting. So when this happened in the 70th minute, it was it was all in. Everyone was in there and it was just at an absolute boiling point. We had 20 more minutes to go. It was, yeah, um, it was pretty interesting watching as a neutral not because the football was great, though. It, um, yeah, like I say, I wouldn't have been surprised if there'd been another two red cards. So, Dave, you're telling me a team coached by Ruben Zakovic was was filthy. I find that very hard to believe. I was just letting people read that into it. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, no, it was just it was just horrendous football. So, um, to be honest, there was a brief period there where it, where it looked like you know Perth were going to get away with this one and get some points. So uh, the the very very late winner was was pretty great to watch because um, it was. Um, there was a Perth corner up against 10 men and they managed to concede on the counter at the other end, which was just fantastic to wow. bit it away. And it was like the 90th plus five or something at that point. So it's just, yeah, yeah. Great watching as a neutral. I hadn't even considered the Zadkovic angle. I was just watching them going, this is a team that knows that they are garbage this season <laughs> and are just desperate to do something. They, it screamed desperation more than anything. It was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Um, uh, so as of as of now, we still don't have any word on whether Sasa's appeal uh, has been successful or not. Um, fingers crossed it is. Uh, but if not, he'll be out for the Jets game uh, and possibly one more as well. Who knows? They can always upgrade it to four. That's an option they have. <laughs> that, that would be quite the effort, to be quite frank. Isn't there something about a frivolous appeal or something like that that they can, yeah? I think that's usually a monetary fine though, rather than a uh, an upgrade. But they can upgrade. Uh, but the frivolous takes more money. I've definitely, I've definitely heard of one. I'm not sure whether it's a league or not though. Um, should we go on to the uh, next round while we're while we're going around the uh, clubs? Sure. Next game: Newcastle Jets, uh, seven p.m. on Saturday. Uh, Western United uh, up against MacArthur, Battle of the New Boys. That's on Friday at 9.45. Uh, it's the Melbourne Derby victory versus City. Got to be specific about that now because apparently there's another Melbourne team. Uh, 
that's Saturday, 9.45. Uh, Wanderers play Raw uh, on the on the Saturday at 7pm. Sydney playing Adelaide Sunday at 5pm. And Mariners playing Perth at 7pm on Sunday. Uh, what are the games to watch, gents, apart from ours? Do we think the Derby's going to be that interesting? I think victory coming off a loss will want to prove something there. They had a, they had a shit game last week. They need to prove something in that derby. So I think they should come out firing. Um, so it could be interesting because of that. I think if you tune into Western United MacArthur, you might double the crowd. So um, you should probably watch that one just because. <laughs> the Leo Lacroix lol factor. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that'll be interesting from that. Um, um, let's. Uh, we've got that preview out of the way. Um, other interesting news to come out of the um, Knicks men's team. Uh, Ufi's put his hand up. He said that he would like to coach the All-Whites and keep his next job. Uh, David Dome has come out and said, yep, fine by me. I I think I think if this is the difference between Ufi wanting to stay or you know looking to do the next step in his career, then we 100% should support this. I think of all the countries around... New Zealand is probably the one he could do this for. Um, not saying it's going to be easy. Obviously, there's you know, you coach, coaching a club is a massive, massive job, um, but it is an extra commitment only a couple of times a year. Bar watching extra games of football to see who's playing well and not. So, yeah, I think um, I think it's one that we could and possibly should entertain. Um, yeah, this won't happen. Absolutely won't happen. I, and I know people are like, call back, oh, well, Ricky used to do it. But I kind of feel like times are quite different. Like, back when Ricky was coach, um, you know, probably half the squad were Phoenix players. Um, so you don't need to keep tabs on them. You kind of think where we are now with where our all-white squad is and there's maybe, what, two or three Phoenix players and the rest are kind of scattered amongst various different leagues. I just don't think if we want to take the all-white series and we want to take the World Cup serious and with an attempt to actually win a game, job sharing with the club side, I just don't see how that works. And I know the you know, Whites don't play that much, but um, you know, lots of the stuff that you need to do in preparation for a window happens outside a window, right? It's yeah. it's the culture building, it's the tactics, it's, you know, um, preparation on the teams that you're playing. Like you might only get, you know, a few days before an actual game, but you're doing the prep before that and I think that reflects in how much the Norwich coach gets paid these days it's in excess of $200,000 a year um, they're not doing that just for you know uh, six six or twelve you know eight weeks of international windows a year they're doing that as a as a full-time well almost full-time you know job my question to you Dale then is you're saying it won't happen or it shouldn't happen or both oh probably probably both I, I just don't see yeah I the only, I think, the only way it would happen is if New Zealand football don't get a suitable applicant elsewhere, and that's a fallback. It's a fallback option. I largely agree with Dale in that I don't, I don't think it should happen. The only way I can see that it could happen is there's obviously massive benefits in here for the Phoenix. I don't think we need to, we need to discuss that. I think there's a lot of upside for them in 
having Ufi involved in this. A, it's a good opportunity for him. It probably gets him to extend his contract. It means they can potentially get more of their players with a look into an all-white squad, right? You know, you've got the coach picking the national team. You probably get a few more lads in there. Not necessarily that they're not deserving, but we know that would happen, right? So I can see why the Phoenix are somewhat keen on this because it, it works well for them keeping Ufi happy. The only way I can see it happening is if behind the scenes here, the Phoenix are selling New Zealand football on the idea of some resource sharing. Um, and we know because the Phoenix, uh, not the Phoenix, New Zealand football are busy crying poor in the media all the time about how they can't afford to do games, they can't afford to pay people more, all of the stuff that they, they are crying poor about, that it could well be that the Phoenix are in their ear saying, hey, if Uvi's the coach, we can share some of this other stuff as well. We can do some of the scouting. We can do some of the video analysis. We can do some of the tactical stuff using our staff to take some of that burden off you. Now, I'm not saying they are doing that, but I think if this does happen, that's the only way it's happening, is if the Phoenix are offering to help shoulder some of that load. Now, if they are doing that, I think I find it even more concerning in some ways because it really splits our focus and, and probably would hurt the Phoenix more than it would... Um, then it would help them. The benefits of keeping Ufi around are kind of undermined at that point to some extent. But I still don't think it should happen, but I do think it could happen, and this is the way I think it could happen. I, mean, I think if they're going to make that resource sharing a thing, the Phoenix are going to need more resource. Because, like, um, yes, they've got the coaching staff and they've got the academy there, and, you know, having him agree, having him there, bonus could be attracting people into the academy, so you're in front of the national eye as well as, you know, the, the Phoenix eye. Um, but there would need to be more investment coming this way, whether that be from New Zealand football or externally, to make that even possible. Because the workload there at the moment is massive, and the number of people there to do it is not. Yeah, and so I think if you imagine your high-performance staff, right, if instead of New Zealand football having to hire a full complement of them, imagine if you just have to pay half for them. And so it might even be enough money coming back towards the Phoenix. They can get another one or two bodies in, but share them 50-50 between these roles, right? I'm not I'm not saying this is Phoenix shouldering the whole burden. I'm saying it's it's some sort of sharing arrangement, right, where there's, there's going to be some benefits for both sides. And I still think it's dumb, but I think it's plausible enough that maybe it's a thing. Because, I mean... When we first saw the story, I thought it was clickbait with nothing to it. As Domi's now waded in, clearly there is something to this, right? It's not It's not just smoke and mirrors. But even when Ufi said it, he, he wasn't exactly committal to it. It was kind of like, yeah, yeah. And then like he was asked about it post-game. And he was even less committal. He was kind of like, oh, well, you know, the A-League would have to break for national windows. Yeah. And it, like, I think he maybe just had another second thought about it. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah. maybe not. Um, yeah. Yeah, I certainly thought, felt that the first time around, right? I thought, he's been asked about it. Of course you'd say, sure, I'd be somewhat interested. Like, why wouldn't you be? Of course you would. Um, but I can't imagine Domi would have waded into this without chatting with Ufi, right? I can't imagine your CEO just wades in saying, yeah, we'd fully support this in the media without discussing that with Ufi first, right? Like, there's been a phone call or a coffee there where they've gone, are you actually interested? Because we could we could support that. Oh, yep, you are? Good. We'll put that out into the into the public domain. Okay, here's here's one that he's done it. He's done it purely to try get the A League to break over international windows because he's going to need an answer yeah. now for the next four years, and he's trying to get them to commit to it. And then if he doesn't get the job, he doesn't get the job. But I've got a commitment that uh, we're not going to lose any of our old whites during international windows in the next four years. If that's the case, I love it. Four D chess. I'm here for that. But yeah, but but we don't have that many all whites at the moment. And certainly the only one that we'd really struggle to replace would be Ollie's sale. So, yeah, it's a, it's interesting, unless you consider that the next 
iteration of Phoenix teams will have significantly more players within all whites um, uh, reckoning. Um, the current one has uh, five guys and only Ollie Sale we'd struggle to cover. I, I think surely the Phoenix in their long-term plans have to always be hoping they've got more all whites, right? That, that surely has to be a thing they aspire to. And if you're talking a four-year cycle as Dale is, you'd be dumb not to be planning for that, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean you say like struggling to replace, but if you add in Ben Wayne, Costa, perhaps Ben Old, um, Lewis, perhaps even Sam Sutton at some stage, you know, Tim that Payne best, and Ollie Sale. Tim Payne, Ollie Sale, and maybe even Paulson in there. You know, that's a lot of people you have to yeah, not lose play. Paulson, I think we're in trouble. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, then yeah. you're down to like a squad of 20s now, down to a squad of 13. And you're starting to bring in academy players. You know, like it's it's not necessarily you couldn't replace them. It's just the depth suddenly goes and you chuck in one or two suspensions or injuries elsewhere. You know, like it's... We're back to the old days. Yeah, so we're back to Dale thinking this is a great idea and we should definitely do it. That's all I heard. <laughs> yeah, I think well, I totally agree that that you know times have very much changed from when yeah. Ricky did that. And and to be fair, the uh, football moved past where Ricky was able to do the two roles a decade ago, right? But where he could do them effectively. So the fact that we if we entertain the idea, there's obviously good positives, loads of downside. Hard to know what the right decision is, but and I'll also point out that a good club coach is not necessarily a good international coach. Yeah, that's fair. And vice versa. Yeah. Ufi has uh, done some time as a national team coach though, right? As under twenties, I think, for Australia. Uh yeah. 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 So it's not it's not a complete unknown to him. Yeah. He was under but, he was under Gumbel. He was under Gumbel in the twenties. Yeah. So yeah, it, but this is just... not completely outside his wheelhouse, but it is obviously a different a different situation for sure. Uh, A-League Women's, the Liberty Liberty A-League Women's competition um, has just made a massive announcement uh, naming a 12th team. Uh, The Mariners will put in a women's team next season and they will also go to full home and away uh, rounds. This is huge and about time. Uh, Yeah, mate, obviously. It's the the progress the league needs to make. Um, Hopefully there's the talent pool within the... um within the countries to be able to uh, fill the teams competitively. Um, but in the end, if you want the league to be taken seriously, you need to be able to offer a proper pro system to the to the women and a full home and away plus finals gives effectively a six, at least six months playing here, six months playing uh, somewhere else. It's um it's the right it's the right step. They did talk about the women's teams aligning with the men's teams that already exist, um, and hopefully that does in reverse and the team get the male team gets into Canberra as well. But uh, yeah, I think uh, certainly certainly a good move. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of has to happen. I think maybe even the Phoenix women's team from last season. Uh, contributes to the, the at least the peace of mind there showing that a, a group of motivated uh, young women can step up into the league it's not too much of a, a big gap between uh, domestic leagues and the the uh, women's a league I, I reckon that that's probably a good shout now and there's no reason to not kind of expand one or two more teams Yeah, I mean, if, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's got to be a good thing. I just want to make a, a weird anorak point because I think it's interesting and I was I saw it on um, Twitter. But um, you'll note the Mariners announcement kind of talks it up as their first time entering um, into this league. And those of you who were following it very early on would be going, wait a second, weren't the Mariners in the old W League? Um, and I, th- I think it was the first, first two seasons, so um, 08 through to 2010, and they were. 
but it wasn't run by the Mariners. The Mariners' name was just leased by Football New South Wales, and Football New South Wales were running a team in there, similar to what we saw with the FFA running some franchise teams when they got that up and running. So this is the first time the Mariners' club will actually be running this women's team in this league. Um, which I just think is interesting that, you know, the Mariners brand's been there before, but it hasn't been a Mariners team until now. Nothing like identity politics. Um, It's still very big news, very good news. Um, Have they uh, made any announcements as far as uh, what their expectations around um, uh, just joining the competition salary cap or anything? It's not some special uh, I haven't seen anything. I, I would assume, though, that the Mariners have always had a strong history on the men's club of, of you know, um, bringing players through and, and talent development and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think we'll see anything different here. I would imagine their long-term view is, is to have some, some structure underneath that and be building their own um, local development stuff. So I would expect that to be the case here, but that's not going to work for your first season out. So they'll have to bring some people in. But, yeah, it's not like the Mariners have been a club to buy people in particular, and I don't think we'd see them adopt a particularly different strategy in their women's club uh it's going to be interesting once the, it gives them a full year to to build up though that's i think a very good idea not springing the, the women's next kind of scenario on them i think they've obviously learned and it's nice to see that the uh, professional leagues in australia have actually learned some things from the odd mistake uh returning to our shores uh the Results for round three of the National League Championship. Uh, Birkenhead United getting a two-all draw against Auckland City. Napier City Rovers drawing, two, surprisingly, two-all with Miramar. Uh, Auckland it's not a surprise. You reckon? Yeah, not even a little bit of a surprise. No. Okay. Uh, Auckland United, uh, one-all draw with Christchurch United. The Weenix getting a one-all draw with Melville and Kashmir Tech going down 3-0 to Bubbles. Uh, Bubbles steamrolling on. Yeah, they played. They were unlucky to lose to Auckland City, and um, from what I've seen, they are playing some excellent, excellent football. They've got a really consistent team. They haven't had the turnover that uh, Miramar have, for example. Miramar's lost 13 players since the start of the season, and the majority of whom would be starting for them now. So, it's um, yeah, they've had a... Massive, massive turnover, and um, I, they scored two late goals, including a 95th-minute penalty to draw 2-2 with Napier. So, yeah, they're unlucky there. But the bubbles look very, very good. Um, I thought they would beat Melville, but that was a that was a very comfortable 3-0 victory. I think they... Wellington, uh Yeah, sorry, you catch me. Um, of all the Wellington sides, they are the strongest by far. I think they have a great shot at top four and a decent shot at top two. I'm looking forward to them playing Birkenhead very, very much. Um, the Weenix should have won. They were definitely better than Melville, created many more opportunities, um, and it was a 90, 90th minute penalty that um, Melville scored to level it up. But the Weenix have only got themselves to the game to blame. They were profligate in front of goal. Um, there was plenty of opportunity for them to seal that long before they did. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's um, interesting that our uh, expectations of the Weenix have changed so markedly from you know a few years back, where it was kind of like if they're not last, they're doing well. To actually mid table, they're almost underperforming. They were unlucky. Um, we'll look at the table uh, now. Uh, Birkenhead United out uh, in front with seven points, alongside Auckland City. Uh, bubbles on six, 
then Auckland United, Napier City Rovers on five, Kashmir, the Weenick, oh sorry, Kashmir on three, Weenicks and Christchurch United on two, Melville and Rangers propping up the bottom. That's what I was talking about, Cam. Not often you see Rangers at the bottom and it hurts me. Yeah, no, that's fair, say. mate. But there, there is definite reasons for that. Um, and I think if you have the the Rangers team that started this season, certainly the one that played in the um, in the cup in um, the Chatham Cup final that they played in uh, March, March February. Uh, if that team was playing now, very different result. Um, they they were a much better side. But that, that turnover, there's there's no team that can deal with that kind of that level of turnover in their first team. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they if they struggle for the rest of this season, but they will put together a competent and competitive squad for next year and come back strong. This weekend's games are good ones, though. This weekend's games, if you can get out to something, get out and watch, because Olympic play Birkenhead um, at uh, Endeavour Park in Whitby. Uh, I think that kickoff is at two o'clock on Saturday, yep. and then uh, Miramar play Auckland City at David Farrington Park, and I think that's at one o'clock Auckland, on Sunday. Auckland so, United. Is it Auckland United or playing in Auckland City? Well, unless my app says wrong, they are playing Auckland United. And... Well, I could also have entered this in incorrectly in my um <laughs> in my uh, timetable. So either way, uh, either way, worthwhile getting along. Uh, speaking of games to watch, I'm going to put you all on the spot, gents. Uh, so Nick's up against the Jets. What do we think is going to happen? Going to smash them. 3-0, Reno Pisco will, Piscopo will play about 56% of the minutes of the game, um, <laughs> and Soterio will blast at least three over the top. Ooh. I think I think there's goals, but it's a draw. So something like a 2 all 3 all. that's what I reckon. I mean, not having Elsie for them is probably quite a big one because their back line's uh, pretty, pretty honk, so uh, I don't know who will fill in for him, but um, it's always nice to have a second stringer centre back plane it's probably German actually it's probably Matt German who's about as slow as, about as slow as a tank um, yeah if um, I reckon if if he can sort out their um, collapsing defence um, that coming goal where they had two banks of four just retreating away from uh, Cummings if he can sort that out when to step up and when to sit back I don't think I'll be too worried about uh, the Jets if they can't I think Dave's right. It's going to be like a two-all draw. So on that cheery note, uh, we will bid you all adieu. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll see you with the next result and the next talking points. Thank you. Good night.